You're listening to the Philly Young Adults Podcast. Our goal for this podcast is to create content that would equip our listeners for the Christian life. Our hope and prayer is that these conversations, topics, testimonies, and scripture readings help you grow in the grace and in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. Welcome back to the Philly Young Adults Podcast. This season, we're talking about maturity in the Christian life, doing our best to break that down into different topics and how we can practically apply what the Bible says about maturity in all different kinds of areas of life. If you haven't checked out the previous episodes, I would encourage you to do that, especially episode one of season three. We really set up the whole conversation about maturity in the Christian life. That's key to be able to feed everything else that we're doing this season. And today, specifically, we are going to talk about maturity in making decisions. And I don't know about you guys, but decision making has got to be probably one of the top young adult, hot issues of life, how to make decisions. You think so? I think so. Brian, if you disagree, let me know. I'm out of the category. You're so in the category. If you guys didn't know, Brian just turned 29. (laughs) Today, we have Sama hanging out. Brian always asks me to do introductions and I forget. So Sama's here. (laughs) Brian's here. Josh is here. What's up, everyone? And I am Antoine. What? We'll fly with that, I guess. <laughs> my parents actually wanted to name me uh, Antonio Giovanni. That yes. was that was my dad's Tony suggestion. G. Yeah, Antonio Giovanni. And my mom basically, right after giving birth to me, was not feeling that suggestion. She was. Well, where's she the made her decision? I just made it up right now. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta remember that. It has nothing to do with anything. So, anyways, I'm gonna decide to move forward with this podcast. See, decision making. See what I did there. Oh. <gasps> Now, how do we grow and mature? Way to that, live by that example. That is the question. The way that we grow in maturity is you don't sidetrack with dumb jokes the way I just did for the Step pa- number one. I have a timer for the past 45 <laughs> seconds. I wasted space. That's immature. Um, Josh actually has very helpful notes for today. And so we're going to hand it over to him to help us out. So I told you, avent- I'm not good under pressure, right? And I've somehow become the guy who starts off these oh, that's shows right. I forgot in season about that. three. I haven't forgot about it. This so, is four episodes deep I, where you are like the you, catalyst. Eventually, I'm going to crumble under the pressure, and today is that day. No, so it is We'll do keep pushing is, you until you crumble. Yeah, we, we all want to see it. <laughs> to, to kick off this topic of making wise, mature decisions in the Christian life, I think what is big part of that is God's will right? Like what is God's will for me? We don't always think about it in like the little decisions. Like we were just talking before, is it God's will for me to eat this sandwich at this place or go to Starbucks right now? We don't always think of God's will in those minor decisions, but when we talk about growing and maturing and making decisions, it is healthy to ask that question. Is that God's will? So anyway, we're going to look to George Mueller to kick off our Uh, episode today because he came up with a list. If you don't know who George Mueller is, uh, he lived in the 1800s. He 
started a ministry toward orphans. And he has, go read his biography. I forget the, the name of it slips in my mind. Do you remember what Life of Trust. Yeah, Life of Trust. So he was known for just the decisions he made. He was mature in his decision making. And a lot of that came from him just completely trusting that God is going to provide for me and whatever I need. So he came up with this list of six rules to find God's will. And I think if we consider these um, and make them part of our regular life, it will help us to mature in decision-making, so in the Christian walk. So we're going to go through these, and we'll, we'll talk about them. So here's number one, really simply. He said this, I seek at the beginning of, you know, I've got this thing on my mind, I've got this decision to make for at the very beginning when I'm thinking about where to turn, what to do, to get my heart into such a state that it has no will of its own in regard to a given matter. So in otherwise, I'm trying to remove my own will and focus on God's will. He said nine-tenths of the difficulties are overcome when our hearts are ready to do the Lord's will, whatever it may be. When only when one is truly in this state, it is usually but a little way to the knowledge of what his will is. So I think the fact that he is focusing on what God's will is before making a decision is huge. Because like in scripture, God's pretty clear on a lot of things that are his will and what aren't his will, right? Like I should not be... Um, dating someone who's not an unbeliever, right? That's clearly not God's will. So if I'm wrestling with that decision, I have to ask myself, is this God's will or is it my will? And in that scenario, it's very clear that it's not God's will. And then we, you know, then there's other decisions in life that we might have to think a little bit, but I think that is important and that's why he started with that. Like that's the first place we have to start. So he says nine-tenths of the problem Mm -hmm. or the difficulty can be handled this way. Mm -hmm. I think that's wisdom. That means that it's not simply a lack of information that we struggle with when we have a decision to make that we're having difficulty making. It's really about, do I want the things that God wants? Mm -hmm. Yep. I'm not saying that's always easy to figure out. I don't know about you guys, not to go too deep down the rabbit hole before we continue with this list, but... I've definitely had many times in my life where in prayer I was saying something to the Lord like, I think I want your will here. <laughs> I'm doing my best to only want what you want. So if, if I'm not seeing something help me or keep me from making a decision that I might make if it's really not what you want, Lord. So I, I do think one of the comforts that I, I feel that I found is God's not mean. We don't have any indication from the scripture that he's petty or tricky he knows when we're really doing our best to say what i really do want your will which means probably that mueller's counsel is something like if you really just are honest with yourself there are times where we have we can all think back in our life there's times where we kind of just wanted the thing we wanted Mm -hmm. and so it really just comes down to just be honest with yourself before god yeah. Do you really want your way or do you want God's way? And if you're like, well, I don't know what God's way is, that's fine. But is there something in my mind or my heart that is actually the thing I'm wanting and either ignoring before God or kind of trying to manipulate my life so that I can 
get it to feel like God's cool with me having this or that, mm-hmm. uh, which again, there's really only a direct issue with that if I know from the scriptures that God doesn't want that in my life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a good place to start. Um, in Psalm 119, verses 59 and 60, we just happened to read through these in our home groups uh, for our young adults, and maybe some of you guys were there. But the psalmist says, I thought about my ways. So he, he's thought about um, decision. He was at a point where he's trying to make a decision about something and turn my feet to your testimonies, so toward your will, what your word says. He says, I made haste, quickly decided to do this, and I did not delay to keep your commands. That word delay there actually in the original language is literally like dilly dally, right? It's the same word that is used of Lot. Dragging your feet. Yeah, it says that Lot lingered behind. He didn't want to leave Sodom, a place that God was literally about to incinerate and judge. He knew God was going to do that, and he still was lingering. And to, to what you're saying, Brian, sometimes we have to ask ourselves, do I not want to do this because I like I, I just don't want, like it's my flesh, right? I know the right decision. I know what God's word says, but am I willing to yield to that and trust that that actually is what's best? Uh, and the way we know his will is by looking to his word. And the story in Genesis 19 there with Lot, if you're not familiar, go read Genesis 19. But if you are, then you know that that's a perfect example of God's will had been clearly revealed. He had angels that appeared to him and said, this is what's happening, therefore this is what you need to do. And he was big time dragging his feet to do it. And as you read the story, you see why. it The decision was literally run away from your homeland before it gets judged by God. So he he just didn't want to leave his house. He didn't. He clearly liked the life he had there. I think all of us can relate. That's part of the power of the story is you can kind of feel yourself very quickly to be in Lot's position. But the illustration is, or the the principle for any of us is, we can all be in situations where we actually do know what God says and we're, we're delaying to do it. So decision maturity and decision-making in this area would be when you know God's will clearly, do it. Now, what's the parallel? And this is really important. The parallel is, Either you have the exact same situation as Lot, an angel has come to you, and it's an angel of God and not one of those deceptive angels, and told you God's word, or more likely, the Bible is very clear. And so the question is, am I going to delay and drag my feet to do the things the Bible has told me to do? If I delay, I'm not, I don't, I'm just, that's not mature Christian decision making. Mature Christian decision making in that instance would be, oh, the Bible says that, well, I'm going to go do it. That's number one. So that leads us into number two on this list, Six Rules to Finding God's Will by George Mueller. Number two, he says, having done this, so having come to this place where I'm trying to remove my will and accept what God's will might be or what I want to find his will to be, he says, having done this, I do not leave the result 
to feeling or simple impressions? If so, I make myself liable to great delusions. Wow. Does he explain what he means by that? Nope. He just drops the mic, and that's number two. <laughs> great delusions, <laughs> mic drop. Well, he probably is going to say something if we would, if we would uh, interview him that he's learned that the his inner back and forth, his inner whims, even his inner desires aren't always great guides for the directions he should go or maybe aren't ever. Mm-hmm. And that's important for us to hear in a day and an age where our inner desires are supposed to be the number one guide to make you sh- The way you make decisions outside of following Jesus these days is figure out what you want and go get it at all costs. And he's saying, yeah, I'm going to kind of do the opposite of that. Yeah, not just relying on feelings or emotions simply. And, you know, maybe maybe I have prayed, right? Like, okay, I'm going to do number one. I prayed, I've looked at God's word, but maybe my flesh is still saying, no, I really want this, or I really feel this way, or I'm still really sad, or I still have these emotions that I'm not going to just rely on my feelings and emotions that might be pushing against what God's word actually says. I love that God's word is black and white. I need things that are external to me because I, if they're just internal, I'm not always sure what to trust in there, if you guys know what I mean. God's word is external, so when I read it, I can know my heart, my thoughts, my mind didn't make that up. So I love that part of God's word is that I know it's trustworthy because, you know, Jeremiah, right, the great verse in Jeremiah says the heart is deceitful and desperately wicked. Who can even understand it is one way to say that verse. So, whereas God's word is not deceitful, and it is understandable. It's not wicked. It's this external thing that I know I can trust. It's a rock. I can yeah. stand on this rock. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I think what's cool with that point in the list is a lot of times that external influence is going to start to fight against the things that I'm thinking and feeling internally. Like I think sometimes we would assume if it's God's will, I just always feel great. Everything just lines up a hundred percent. And like, that's how I know. And I think based on your example, Brian, it might be the exact opposite by letting God's word in as the external source. You might officially create like a hailstorm in your emotions because now you're fighting against the way that you feel. And that doesn't mean that you're away from making a good decision. You might be on the cusp of finally being mature in your decision-making letting that war take place and letting God's word win out and obeying it, even though it either doesn't feel good or it seems like it's in contrary to what you thought you wanted. Mm -hmm. Um, It just doesn't always all of a sudden feel like the whole universe aligns. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. No, sometimes it's, it's the Bible's clear and I I need to trust. Here's what I'm doing. I'm going to trust that God knows and loves me and has my best interest in mind. I'm going to trust him and I'm going to obey, Yep. even if I don't feel like it. Guys, tell me what you think about this, because I was thinking, as you said, that Tony, um, it seems to me there's another way God's word functions in his clarity too. So sometimes in my life, I've had something that I was really sweating a decision to make. Uh, the example I can throw out there, she listens to this, I hope she doesn't mind us. Um, I really wanted to marry the woman who is now my wife, and... But I think because of just the way my life had gone and the kinds of things I was trying to pursue with my life, I got really nervous that it wasn't God's will and that I needed to know it was God's will. Like I, w- I was praying 
before uh, asking uh, Ronica to marry me, praying like, Lord, is this your will? Is it like, almost like I felt like I needed a sign or a verse or some kind of like, yes, it's my will. You know, like I'll take the angel, Lord, send the angel. And he can say, thus saith the Lord, thou shalt marry her or something like that. And then I'll know. And I remember praying, but you know, you guys have heard me tell this story. I got to a point where I realized I felt like actually it was the opposite. It was like this whole decision has been guided by the Lord. She's very godly. This whole thing is right in line with like, it checks all the boxes that the word of God would tell me to check, to make a really big life decision. The people in my life who love God are behind it. This is right in line with the work God's doing in my life. Um, it's not going to cause me to walk away from, from pursuing my work t- to, to promote God's plans in the earth. It's not going to stop me from being able to provide for myself. It's literally every box is checked biblically. And the word of God, I think, I realized it, it wants me, God wants me to relax. Yeah. And just go make the decision that I want to make. Okay, maybe it's maybe half the reason I really want to marry her is not just because she's great, but because this is right in line with God's will and I've done my best. I've labored to align my heart with God's will. And so I think sometimes it's an inner storm where the Bible comes in and says, no, deny yourself, pick up your cross, follow me. Sometimes I think, especially for those of us who've, who have maybe a history with these things and we're like really trying to please the Lord, it's almost like the word of God is like, relax, you've done it. Go, just, just go do it. Just like, just go do it. You, sometimes yep. you hear people, they just start getting saved and they're like praying about what they should have for dinner. Laboring over like, should I have? I think your dad tells a story oh, like yeah. that, right, Josh? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, should I, what should I, you know, someone can laugh at that, but for some people that's real, they just want to do God's will. Show me what to eat for dinner. And there are times I think with the Holy Spirit's like, it's okay, you love me, you're serving me, eat whatever the heck you want. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, that's actually part of living for God. Mm-hmm. If it's if it's a, if it's should I marry this godly girl or not, and I want to marry her, go marry her. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know what I mean. Do like, it. Unless there's some obvious thing, and the people in your life are pulling you aside and saying, yeah. "Listen, brother, you have a call in your life, and this is going to change everything. You need to really think about this." That's different. But it, but sometimes I think the Lord is just he he wants us to be able to actually relax. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. and that actually plays um, perfectly into the third rule and. Sama, you can you you have a comment? Yeah, yeah I got on. a comment. Come on, Sama. yeah. Let me let me just say this because <laughs> the third rule includes exactly what Brian just said, oh, and then good. we'll get to Sama's comment because we're all waiting with anticipation. Oh, so the third rule he says from George Mueller, six rules to discerning God's will. He says, "I seek the will of the Spirit of God through or in connection with the Word of God." So including the Holy Spirit's influence, right? The Spirit and the Word must be combined. If I look to the Spirit alone without the word i lay myself open to great delusion there you go great delusion we don't want to get to that place i don't want great delusion we don't know exactly what it will look like (laughs) or what it feels like but you don't want great delusions so you knew the word brian but also the holy spirit helped lead you to that decision in combination because there was no verse that said mary veronica but the holy spirit helped to lead you to that decision and to and to have peace about that combined with the word and even I've shared this story with young adults too. I hope Franca doesn't mind all these personal details. No, we like them. Even before that, that like, can I go get the ring? I remember praying about like, who should I ask out? And I remember f- feeling one of the few times in my life that I feel like, like, wow, the Lord, I think kind of spoke to me. I remember just sensing that the Lord was kind of like, whoever you want. And that was really frustrating. But isn't that funny? 
Yeah. Anybody like, else no, would just, probably be like, wow, God told you to ask out any woman. That's amazing. But I think, <laughs> well, of course, obviously that choice was going to be very limited by who would say yes. So there would be some immediate <laughs> boundaries that would be put on. But, but I think what was interesting about that was I do, I've never gone back and, and looked back and thought that wasn't the Lord. And I think the reason is, and this is what we're talking about, some of us, um, again, you really want God's will. And so you do, you labor and you pray for things. And I think one of the things I was learning is the reason that there would be that kind of freedom is because the Lord was pleased that I was seeking him with the decision. And so if you're seeking God earnestly with, with a big decision, he's, you're, in, you're putting yourself in relation to him where that's the kind of thing that you might be ready to do. Lord, what do you want me to do? And it may be that he puts two or three decisions in front of him and he says, pick one. We've talked about this on a yeah. podcast, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Where was that? That was, was the 50 feet? That was probably the 50 feet because okay. it was like, just just start moving. Yeah. Anyway, so hopefully this isn't repeat. What were you going to say? Something? I was just going to say like exactly what you're getting at. Like we, we can get caught up in this rut of trying to seek the Lord in just seeing his signs when we have his word before us. And so when we're trying to make decisions, kind of like what you're saying, like myself, I can relate with uh, kind of in pursuing a woman and a wife. And I, I literally remember the day I walked in and talked with Tony, I was like, yo, I think the Lord's leading in some ways. And it was completely absurd, completely out of the blue. And I still didn't have confidence. But when the word was there when the Lord spoke to me through his word in conjunction with those other things. It was like, there was this newfound confidence in it because I have a confidence in the word because it's God. And so I was just like thinking on that. And there's this quote I have from Piper and it says, it seems to me that the Bible describes the ordinary guidance of God as the development of spiritual sensitivity. In other words, the prerequisite of divine guidance is not the quest for messages, but the quest for holiness. Ooh, I like that. Not the quest for messages from God. God, tell me something. Give me a sentence. But the quest for holiness, which would be God's God-likeness. And he goes on and he points out how guidance is the product of spiritual depth. Ooh, that's good And too. so I, I was like reading through that and thinking through that. And like we're talking about decision-making and af- avoiding like waiting and how we're like kind of becoming lazy and making decisions. But like, I think you can make a direct correlation with decision-making with leading and guidance, leading and guidance with the will of God and with the will of God and holiness in our pursuit and our spiritual walk and relation with God. Yeah. You end up talking a lot about God's will as we're seeing when we talk about decision-making, because I guess part of it is, and maybe this is new for some of you listening to this, how does a Christian make decisions? A Christian, one way is they think a lot about what does God want? That becomes a major question. And that, I guess, was point one mm-hmm. for Mueller. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's new. If you've never walked with Jesus before, and some of the people hanging out with the young adults group are very new to walk with Jesus, that's just a whole, that's just not a question on the mind of someone who wasn't a Jesus follower, which would make sense because if you're not following Jesus, you're not asking the question, where is Jesus and where he's going? Where is he going? That's just not a question you ask if you're not following Jesus. But if you are, that's like the main question. Where is Jesus? Where is he going? What's he doing? AKA, what is God's will? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. And our decisions are almost entirely based off of our own desires and our heart. And so the more we remove our fleshly desires and our heart and input the word, kind of what it says in, in James, where it talks about asking for wisdom, Tony, we were talking beforehand, but also it says like double mindedness, you know, right. As we, 
separate from that way of thinking and solely look at his word and put that in our hearts, then it's like there's this newfound freedom in making decisions, not because it's based on ourselves, but it's based off of the will of God. Tony and I recently heard my brother, who was on uh, last season on an episode, which that was the uh, Jesus is Lord, should we say Jesus is Lord, uh, heard Mike give a teaching. Uh, we're talking about God's will where he said exactly what you said, Sama, which is a great example. In the book of Acts, God came to Peter in a vision to tell him to go to the house of Cornelius and that was like that wasn't enough to convince him. Like he, God He's still chilling on the roof. Yeah, God literally had to be like, "There's people here. Go downstairs." Like even <laughs> if God was to speak directly to us, appear, have a vision, that doesn't necessarily like guarantee. Mm-hmm. Like God's word is it, what we think that if we had a vision, then we would know. Yeah, does not but necessarily going to make it life easier. Work, There's also that story of the Jeremiah the prophet. The word of the Lord comes to him and says, "You need to buy the land that's that's in Anathoth. I think it was that was the town from your family." And then it says, "And then his relative comes to him after he gets that word from the Lord and says to him, i 'I'm trying. I want to sell you this land.'" And he says, "And then I knew that was the word of the Lord." Then, which is mm-hmm. crazy because the prophets in the Old Testament got. God's word often audibly, it seems, mm-hmm. or from an angel or in a vision or somehow in their heart. This was like a regular thing. The, a, the way a lot of Christians talk today, as if God was giving them constant running messages. Yeah. Question that truth. The prophets actually had. And so even one of them didn't know until yeah. that guy came to him. Gideon, another classic example, you know, putting a fleece out yes. there. Yeah, so yeah, we could go a lot of examples. So moving on, number four. So we could say thus far, if we're trying to grow, mature in decision-making and finding God's will in our lives, we, we're looking to his will, which is found in his word. We're not allowing our feelings or emotions to determine our actions, but rather the Holy Spirit is the one that should be influencing us combined with God's word. And number four is, and I wonder if you guys can maybe thinking of an example of this in your own life. George Mueller said, next, I take into account providential circumstances. These plainly indicate God's will in connection with his word and his spirit. So he says, sometimes there are circumstances that happen in our lives that confirm what the Holy Spirit and his word is telling us, and that can help us in decision-making as well. I think this is good because that this backtracks, how do I know what the Holy Spirit is telling me? This is so important. The first way is the Holy Spirit says what the Bible says. I know the Holy Spirit is telling me something if the Bible says it. Another way is what's going on in my life, mm-hmm. right? Providential circumstances. Um, I had I had written a book, maybe we'll put it in the show notes, called Understanding God's Will for the Young Adults. That's not a book, it's a pamphlet. <laughs> I was like, whoa, plug it, Brian. I, I'm, <laughs> I'm excited so hard to read your new to book. To be an author. <laughs> Available book in one let. store 2022. Book let. <laughs> it's for free. It's a PDF. It's not, gonna, it's not real. I'm not going to recover. Tony's laughing. I had written a couple paragraphs. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, wrote a, I wrote a blog. It just yeah, gets that's, it's shorter really just and a, shorter. It's just a glorified blog post. That's all it is. I posted a tweet. But it goes to this, right? So here's some things, practical steps and help for finding God's will. One of them is the nature of creation itself. So providential circumstances... I'm put in the world, 
right? So the world itself, the way God's made it, if I'll look at it, it will tell me parts of God's will. Like a big thing it tells me is you should worship God. It's just like, should I worship God? Yes, you should. How do I know? Look at the world you've been put in. Um, but then there's other things like there, there's, if I'm only five feet tall, it's probably not God's will for me to go play in the NBA. Maybe if he's also made me an incredible jumper, but generally the (laughs) way he's made me, the, the circumstances he's put me in, right? If he's, if I'm only making 30 grand a year, he's probably, it's probably not his will for me to be a billionaire philanthropist, at least not right now. I have Mm -hmm. to work towards that. Right? Like, so those are obvious examples, but absolutely like the, you can know God's will kind of by what's going on in your life right now. Now, maybe you don't know what God's will will be for you in 20 years because maybe in 20 years you will be a billionaire philanthropist. Mm-hmm. But you certainly know that there's some things that are just are or are not opportunities right now today. And that might sound really, really basic, but I think it'd be helpful for relieving us of some of the stress of what's God's will for my life? Well, what do you have going on? It's yeah. probably his will for you to go to work today. Because mm-hmm. we can look at that and think, well, what has his will been so far in my life? Sure. You know, so like, as I've developed these certain skill sets or these these gifts that the Lord has given me, like, well, if that's been his will and we're trying to understand what his will might be, like what you're saying, like, look at what you got. All right, moving on. Number five, this is a big one. Uh, George Mueller says, I ask God in prayer to reveal his will to me aright. Um, Gordon Smith, who's a Christian author, he said, we can be discerners, only if we are prayers. We discern the voice of God within the context of relationship. If that relationship suffers, so will our ability to discern what is best. So being able to make mature decisions in the Christian life and growing in that also has a lot to do with how committed we are to our prayer lives. You would assume that to make decisions, you have to be specifically in the circumstance that you're trying to make the decision in, like just constantly active or maybe just thinking about what you might do, planning your pros and cons. It's a lot of energy actually mentally when you're going to make a big decision. And that's a really cool point because some of that needs to get laid down in times of prayer. Maybe you can't make a full pros and cons list. Maybe that list doesn't even matter because when you pray, you'll realize the Lord's going to speak to you and say, I want you to do this. At that point, if you make a pros and cons list, or if you like meditate on the, de- the decision too long, you'll probably just talk yourself out of it and then try to figure out how that wasn't actually God and it can't work. But if you pray and you stop, and you quiet yourself. We talked about this in like our silence thing last season. I actually think you can gain real wisdom and you can gain an answer on like, do this, don't do that. Or like you said before, pick. And then if you can pick, stop, like just stop. But you might not learn those things outside of a prayer life. And it also refers back to what Sama read, I think, because it's not just that I'm going to pray and God's going to tell me somehow. It's that if I am a person who spends time in the word and, and giving my, laying my request before God and communing with God in prayer, he's going to communicate himself to me. He's going to make me more holy. And then I will be the kind of person that makes decisions that please God. Decisions probably will start to come a little bit 
easier, at least most of them, because there'll be decisions in terms of what's holy, what pleases God. And I will know because I'm spending time in prayer. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I would imagine. Yep. And having a willingness to be directed by the Lord in those times of prayer. Having, I always tell people, like when I finished college, uh, I was kind of unsure after four years of school what direction I wanted to go to. And I just remember like praying to the Lord a lot, being just wanting to be willing, like, Lord, you know, I kind of feel like maybe I should do this, but I want to be willing to to do what your will is. And here he says, number five is, ask God in prayer to reveal his will, right? I might think I really want this thing, but am I willing to go or to do something else that might actually be God's will and not what I'm feeling or wanting, having the willingness to let the Lord speak to that when we go to him in prayer um, and being willing to yield to that. So finally, number six. So this is kind of the, the combination of these things and then um, how you move forward practically, right? So he says, number six, rule in discerning God's will and growing and maturing, making these decisions. He says, thus, through prayer to God, the study of the word and reflection, I come to a deliberate judgment according to the best of my ability and knowledge. And if my mind is thus at peace, and I think the Holy Spirit helps us to experience that peace, and continues so, after two or three more petitions, I proceed accordingly. So he prays a couple more times, and then yeah. he goes and does it. Mm-hmm. It's great. And he says, to the best of my ability and knowledge. You know, again, there are going to be those decisions. Should I take this job? Should I not? I might come to a decision. I've prayed about it, right? Um, obviously, I know that taking this job is not a sinful thing, right? <laughs> obviously, this is not against God's will. And he, so the, to the best of my ability, I'm going to try and pursue this, understanding that, hey, um, if it's not God's will, he can always direct me in, a, in another place. You know, it's not going to be the end of the world. But if I've gone through this checklist of things, I can be at peace, as George Mueller here says. And I'm sure we have all experienced that, that you you have this peace that um, I don't, it's not because I know 100% everything that lies ahead of me, but I just feel that the Lord is not hindering me from moving forward. And I've taken these things in consideration. I've looked at his word. Therefore, I'm going to step out in faith to the best of my ability and see if this is what the Lord wants. Yeah, I almost wonder if sometimes decision-making gets weighed down by I'll make the decision when I know how it will work out. Oh, a lot of times, I mm-hmm. think. And That's what, a temptation for all of us. Yeah, and like what you just said was the exact, the exact op. <laughs> what you can you do ju- it. What? No, I can't. You what, can do it, Antoine. <laughs> <laughs> Antoine. Antoine. What you just said was the exact opposite. Bam, period. Wow. Um, that as long as there is no hindrance to move forward, that actually might be all that the Lord gives you, which kind of relates to what you've been saying the whole time, Brian. Like that's, that's 
options. That's just, you can, it's open, it's available. That might be as far as you're going to like get on a, you know, I don't know how to say this on like a, uh, spiritual or mystical level. Like, it's not like you're going to be like, I know in full the way this will happen. Kind of building off that. It's almost like we put too much of a stress on our own pride and selfishness in that we probably think, well, it is completely dependent on what I do, completely dependent on the choices I make. And we can probably stir, like steer away from the fact that God is completely and more than able to correct your wrong decisions and to carry out his will according to how he sees fit. You know, because how many times through scripture do we see people who deviate from the will of God and yet the Lord is still faithful to carry out his will? Yeah, it's true. Or this reminds me of Becky's story from last season. Remember, she's praying about uh, going overseas and she gets an opportunity, but then thinks, oh, there was something she didn't really like about that opportunity, mm-hmm. so she said no. But then she got another opportunity and yeah. felt like that was really a, just a, a, a way the Lord blessed her by not being so, you know, stingy or tight that he was like, well, forget you. But he actually was like, no, you got to know if this is what the Lord wants. That, and that's kind of what you're saying, Salma. He, he's bigger than we're not going to mess up his will unless we pursue sin. Yeah. If we're doing our best, he's going to get us where he wants us and we'll, we'll end up, we'll make those right decisions. Mm-hmm. So I think there's some characteristics of what wise decision or wise biblical decision making looks like and, and has and like I think what we're hitting at is like humility like humility sure. is one thing that's there holiness and seeking like the Lord and I keep thinking the of the word honesty and this we've been saying this sort of the whole episode honesty in terms of what does the Lord really say so to, to make the examples ex- absurd if you're saying okay I have two jobs should I take this job at this international crime syndicate or should I work at CVS? Well, mm. you kind of know not the international <laughs> crime syndicate because that's sin, right? So like exactly. obvious, some obvious things. Should I marry this non-believing girl or should I marry this believing girl? Well, this this is kind of obvious. Well, what if it's- Should I should, marry this non-believing girl or be single? Or be single for right now. It's It's actually, these things are obvious. But what about when it's, should I work at the diagnostic lab or the research lab? Well, maybe i mean either one pick one but then what if you're if we're honest and you go the diagnostic lab would pay a dollar more an hour which is cool but it's going to move me two hours away completely away from my family and my whole church and change the whole direction of my life ah there's another layer to this decision Mm -hmm. there's other things to bring in Mm -hmm. there's actually bigger more important things yep the truth is if i let scripture shape my thinking my Ability to maintain Christian community is more important than my ability to make a few more dollars an hour. Yep. There's important things to think about. That's not saying you never move for a job. No, you move for a job, prioritizing your Christian community and making sure you're leading yourself, your family in a place where you can still be in one with Christian fellowship. But you add these other layers in, right? Uh, I do know that some of my friends who took that job ended up getting into sketchy situations of sin. Ah, there's the other layer. Or actually all things, they're totally equal. You look and you go, these two, these three jobs... I really can't see much difference. I've kind of always wanted to go into research and not diagnostics. Well, that's probably what you should do then because you, you've looked at it, you've prayed, and it probably at that point, just go pick the one you want and you can trust that God's probably going to use that. He'll use that to guide you. And if he really doesn't want you in research, he has ways of getting you into 
agnostics, if I'm even saying that right, if those categories are even correct. Someone's going to like give us feedback and say those are the same thing. But oh, oh, wow. They're going to say, there's no such thing. They're like, there's diagnostic research. Right yes, oh, well. <laughs> if I could offer one more factor, I think, uh, to this list that either will help us mature in decision-making or hinder us in our decision-making, uh, I think it's people, the people we take guidance from, Right, so Proverbs eleven fourteen says, "Where there is no guidance, a people falls, but in an abundance of counselors, there is safety." So in similar way, Proverbs fifteen twenty two says, "Without counsel, plans fail, but with many advisors, they succeed." So we want to make sure that we consult with people who we trust, who are godly, who are godly, mm-hmm. godly pastors, uh, you know, Christian parents. Uh, we want to make sure that because those people can also help us in growing and learning how to make mature decisions because they themselves have just lived life or have been under God's word longer mm-hmm. or have watched how God works in their lives. And that goes to humility. That's yeah. Because mm-hmm. you can tie decision making with discernment and our discernment can easily be faulty. And so, so we need the humility to talk to other yeah, people as we're expressing the humility to talk with others. Yeah. And on the flip side, you can have people in your life who encourage sinful behavior. So to give a quick example, Jonadab in second Samuel encouraged Amnon basically to lust after his sister. He didn't say like, dude, what? That's messed up. What are you doing? He was like, oh, well, let's, you know, let's come up with a plan and see how we can, <laughs> no, like those yeah, are the archetypal bad friend there in that story. Yeah. Has surrounding yourself with those kind of people will hinder your ability to make um, smart decisions in life. Jonah Dab is the archetype of the friend who's smooth and smart at helping you get what you want. And in fact, doesn't care at all if it's what God wants, and he creates utter havoc for his friend, his friend Amnon. Uh, I think a good verse to wrap this up that is a checklist in, a, in and of its own, not from George Mueller, is a Proverbs 3, 5 through 8. So we all know Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. I remember reading 7 and 8 one time and thinking, I need to memorize these too. They're just as good. So this is what it says. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he shall direct your paths. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. It will be health to your flesh and strength to your bones. And I think if you read through those verses, that's a checklist of ways that we can grow and mature in decision-making, trusting the Lord, not leaning on our understanding, acknowledge him in all of our ways, fearing the Lord, you know, removing sin from our lives. A lot of the things we just talked about, I think that kind of sums up. And the three outcomes, healthy, strong, led by God. Mm -hmm. It's great. That's what we want. Didn't you have a story to read? Sure. Yeah, I can. Maybe we can end. Is is the story a good ending note? This is a story from an, an anonymous person who's Christian, who's just living life and who went through a decision-making process and they kind of figured it out. So yeah, sure. Here we go. Here it is. Ready? So this is this person speaking about their experience. There are times even now when I try to work out how I ended up as a car dealer. It happened so fast and seemed such a radical departure from what I had been doing. Why was it that I took the initiative to buy a couple vehicles from the local auction and then sell them on? What caused me to investigate importing direct from Japan and to go there a couple months later with a guy I hardly knew and buy 30 vehicles? 
What gall, after all, I knew so little about cars. Thinking about it, I recognized two forces at work. One was my own determined initiatives, the other an outside propelling force. The picture that comes most readily to mind is a small yacht being swept along by a strong wind. I felt pushed in a certain direction, but also I was working hard to direct the yacht the same way, though I didn't quite understand where that would lead me. This inadequate picture captures for me something of the dynamic involved, a somewhat mystical collusion between God, the wind, and me, the sailor, jibbing and heading in a particular direction to a part of the ocean where I'd never been before and couldn't even imagine. Did God's power overwhelm me into starting a car business? No. Was it just me directing the decision-making? Not at all. Did God orchestrate the opportunity? Maybe, though it seems a rather meaningless question. Ultimately, through a series of many decisions, I sensed that this was a good choice and took the plunge, which would be faith. What gave me the confidence to do so? Support and encouragement from a colleague who knew me well and an inward burst of adrenaline and excitement and also the belief that if it proved to be a bad call, it would not be the end of the world, but rather a chance for God to work his purposes in my life. It seems like a mature take on making a pretty big decision. Yeah, and again, one of those decisions that should I continue working my job or should I start a car dealership? Well, if you have the opportunity to, and it seemed like he did at that point, yeah, maybe you go for it. Yeah, and if you go randomly buy some cars at an auction, it might work out, it might not, but it's you not might find yourself in Japan too if much. You, yeah. <laughs> if you never sell them, then there you go. But yeah. if they sell and you make a profit, you go, oh, okay, this is this is wise. Yep. I think the key is it seems like the guy has a relationship yes. with the Lord. Yes. yes. So that I mean, maybe this is not exactly something you can overlay on someone who denies the existence of God or something. I don't know what decisions could or can't could not come out of doing this type of a thing mm-hmm. but no, someone who who follows the lord yeah who someone who clearly understood the lord trusted him and had faith again to step out and to do something understanding that hey if it doesn't necessarily work out the way i want it to it's not the end of the world god is still sovereign he's still working and that's our base you know of pursuing god first mm-hmm. in all of our decisions. Yes. You know, yep. in, in his word, like if you don't have that, your decisions, like you should make the decision to follow God and pursue him. Amen, Sama. Couldn't have said it better. Peace. Peace.